The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to C. diff spores and more with your hosts Nancy Kerala and Dr. Chandrabali Ghosh. We're here to discuss C. diff, healthcare-associated infections, and other related healthcare topics. Now, here are your hosts Nancy Kerala with Dr. Chandrabali Ghosh. Welcome to C. diff spores and more. I'm your host Nancy Kerala. Dr. Chandrabali Ghosh could not be with us today due to previous engagements. We would like to thank our sponsor, the C. Diff Foundation, for making the show possible, and we welcome and thank our listeners for joining us today. Today's guests are Xenix's Dr. Mark Stebick, Chief Scientific Officer and Co-Founder of Xenix, overseeing scientific research, product development, facility assessments, and protocol design. Sarah Simmons, Science Director at Xenix. Sarah is an epidemiologist working with clients to implement Xenix's post xenon UV light room disinfection technology in their facilities and provides support to their infection prevention departments and evaluates their infection reduction results for publication in scientific journals. It is a pleasure to introduce to you our first guest, Dr. Mark Stibick. Hi, Nancy. Thanks for having me today. Dr. Stibick, thank you so much for coming on to the show today, and we appreciate your time. Um, we understand that you are the co-founder of Xenix, which manufactures a pulsed xenon UV disinfection system, a germ-zapping robot. Would you like to share with our listeners how UV disinfection works? Of course. So what UV disinfection is, is uh, UV or ultraviolet. It's uh, a form of the light spectrum. We're familiar with it from what's called UVA and UVC, that's in sunlight, and we put sunscreen off to protect our skin from it. Well, if you get to a higher energy um, type of UV, is UVC. This UV is filtered by the ozone layer, so bacteria and virus and spores, when they were, when they were evolving, had no exposure to it. So that means they have no defense against it, which is great for us because that means if we produce UVC, um, it will penetrate the, the cell walls of bacteria, viruses, and in particular, seed of spores. And, and basically fuse their DNA. So the DNA absorbs this high-energy light, this ultraviolet light, and it fuses the DNA. Once that happens, that organism is no longer infectious, and in some cases it's just directly killed. Okay, well, thank you, Dr. Stebek. Now we know the difference between the two. Um, what are the primary differences between pulsed xenon UV and continuous UV technologies? So pulse on UV and, and continuous UV technologies, these are the two main ways, or the two ways that are kind of available in the marketplace to disinfect a room with, with UV light. So these are, are different methods of producing the UV. And um, the continuous UV, those, those use what's called a mercury vapor lamp. So they use um, mercury, they vaporize it, and you do that, you excite the gas, and you produce um, ultraviolet light in a narrow spectrum at 253.7. That that does disinfect. Um, 
However, the, the, the amount of the intensity of that light and the, and the spectrum of the light is very different from what's produced with pulse xenon. With pulse xenon, we produce a, a pulse, you know, so a burst of high energy um, UV. So that's going to range from 200 to 280. And those, all those wavelengths have different action on different organisms. That's especially important with spores because some of the wavelengths are, are, are highly effective against spores and, and see the spores. Um, the, another major difference between the two technologies is, of course, the, the gas that's used to produce them. So in one case, you're using mercury, which is a known toxic gas, you know, in, in many, many hospitals and, and there are orders, executive orders and things to try to remove mercury from hospitals. Um, that's the continuous UV. They, they all use mercury. We use, again, pulse xenon. Xenon is an inert gas that's in the atmosphere. So we got they produce different types of UV, and they also different, um, use different gases to produce the UV. Okay, thank you so much, Dr. Stibick. Have there been studies done on the efficacy of pulsed xenon? There have. There are approximately 10 studies right now that have been published about pulsed xenon. Uh, These studies group into two major categories. So the, 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 the first category is what we call environmental studies. So these are studies basically your, your, your kind of before-after study in hospital rooms. So uh, a researcher would go in, they would sample high-touch surfaces in the room, um, for bacteria, then they would bring in the pulsing on device, our, our, our robot, and, and basically pulse, pulse the room, flash the room. Um, that's five minutes in the bathroom and five minutes on either side of the bed. And then they come back in and sample the same surfaces again and compare the numbers of organisms that, that they found. In those studies, we, we see uh, uh, approximately a 1.5, almost two log reduction. So that means 95 and 99% of the organisms in the room are, are eliminated, and that's on all these high-touch surfaces. That's the first type of study, and that's been done at the VA. That's been done at um, academic hospitals. It's been repeated in, in kind of community hospitals, and, and it's also been done in different areas of the hospital. The other type of study is what we call patient outcome study, our HAI rate studies, and these are, in, in my opinion, the most interesting because they show that using the pulsing device in a facility can impact and, in fact, bring down the rate of hospital-acquired infection. And specifically, we have a, there's been a study published about um, C. diff, where the hospital-acquired infection rate was brought down 53% by using the pulsing on robot, you know, extensively throughout the facility. Okay. Well, Dr. Stipik, regarding real-world hospital environment, what does that mean and why is it important for hospitals to understand well, when we say real world, we mean that the actual room, the actual conditions that a patient experiences. Um, there have been recently a number of studies that, that take, take lab data that's been done, um, say, for, for a, a chemical cleaner or an antimicrobial surface or things like that. And uh, when the, in the lab, you can control a lot of variables. You can control humidity. You can control how, you know, the smoothness of your test surface. You can control... Um, the amount of organism you're putting on it. So essentially, you can find um, different variables or remove variables that may um, interfere with the, the disinfection. Hospitals are busy, chaotic places. And in the end of the day, what matters is what is experienced by the next patient entering a room. Is there C. diff risk different? Is it lower? And I, I feel strongly that really the only way you can really know that, the lab's great for kind of proof of concept, say, okay, this works or it should work, but then you've got to take it into the hospital You've got to show that the, the facility is able to integrate whatever procedure it is, whether it's pulsing or anything else. They've got to be able to work that process into their daily routines 
Otherwise, enough rooms won't be disinfected. So if, if processes are too difficult to use, if the operators don't like them, if the surfaces in the room are, are scratched, you know, does it still work? If humidity and temperature are different, all of those variables come into play. So we feel it's, you know, it's very important that the, the, the key proof that you need for a, for a system to say, okay, this is going to work, this is going to make a difference to my patients, is to, to actually do it in the real world. And that's especially okay. true because, okay, go ahead, I'm sorry. No, I was going to say, um, Dr. Stibick, I'm sorry, we need to pause at this moment and take a commercial break. And when we return, we're going to continue discussing UV disinfecting uh, with Dr. Mark Stibick. Thank you very much, and we'll be right back. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Join us November 9th, 2015 for the Raising C. diff and Healthcare-Associated Infection Awareness Conference. This event will be chaired by Dr. Mark Wilcox, Professor of Medical Microbiology at the University of Leeds, UK, and hosted at the Doubletree Suites by Hilton Hotel in Boston, Cambridge. For more information about the event, Call us toll-free at 1-844-4C-DIFF or register starting on April 1st through the website cdifffoundation.org forward slash upcoming events. Call 1-844-4C-DIFF, 1-844-367-2343. We look forward to meeting you on November 9th. Transformational healing includes energy medicine as well as hands-on healing. Tune in every week to Transformational Healing with Dr. Bonnie Morrow. If you want to know more about the business and science of energy fields, chakras, and the medical and spiritual community, join our expert guests as we work together to bring you closer to your personal health vision. Transformational Healing is heard live every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. To help support the C. Diff Foundation, please visit our website, cdifffoundation.org forward slash donate, or call toll-free 1-844-4-C-DIFF. That's 1-844-367-2343. Join us in our fight against C. Diff and help us continue our mission of educating and advocating for C. Diff infection prevention, treatments, and environmental safety worldwide. Through your continued support, we can continue raising C. Diff awareness and help save lives. Donate today. Visit cdifffoundation.org. Thank you. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to C. Diff Spores and More. If you have a question, please send an email to info at cdifffoundation.org. Now back to our program. Here again are Nancy Karala and Dr. Chandrabali Ghosh. Welcome back to CDIF Scores and More. I'm your host, Nancy Karala, and we welcome our listeners joining us today. Before break, we were discussing UV room disinfecting, scientific evidence in eliminating healthcare-associated infections with Dr. Mark Stivick, Chief Scientific Officer and Co-Founder of Xenix. Welcome back, Dr. Stivick. Thank you. Thank you. 
You're welcome, and thanks for joining us. And Dr. Stivic, we know that C. diff is a major concern in hospitals and is also community-acquired. Are there any other environment settings in which the use of UV disinfecting would be beneficial? Well, we've, we've recently looked at, and, and this is a, a new development for us, is looking at, we focused initially on acute care hospitals and, and, and tackling C. diff there. Um, we're now moving our, our, our product and our processes and our protocols out into long-term care facilities, into skilled nursing facilities, and these are areas where patients are there longer, so it makes it a bit more difficult to control the environment because, you know, they're always there, they're not, there's not the flow of patients in and out. But we've managed to create um, protocols where we can use the device in those facilities, we use the robot, we disinfect those rooms, and we're seeing the results on, on C. diff. And I could see going the next step into nursing facilities as well. So trying to go out into these community areas where C. diff may be spread, um, individuals may be re- experiencing recurrent C. diff infections, and, and see what we can do and how we can use pulsing on UV to control that environment and reduce the risk. That's wonderful. That's really great news. Thank you for sharing that with us. And um, Dr. Civic, are there any items or objects needed to be removed in any hospital room prior to UV disinfecting, such as the privacy curtain? Well, so it, it depends. So on, on some curtains, some privacy curtains, if the facility is going to change the curtain anyway, we would encourage that. But if the curtain was, is going to remain in the room, then we have protocols for actually disinfecting the curtain with UV because we feel that that's very important, especially the areas that are frequently grabbed. And if, if there's enough room, if there's enough space in the room, we actually encourage facilities to bring equipment into the room, like computers, um, other pieces of, of movable medical, medical equipment, to make sure those get the disinfection as well, because I'd much rather disinfect a computer keyboard than the wall behind it. So they can just bring those up and line them up on the wall in a room, and, and the, the, the pulsing on robot can disinfect those as well. Right. Well, that's good to know. And, and Dr. Stibbett, is UVC harmful? So when UVC is used, there's, um, there's no one in the room. The, the robot has motion sensors and things to make sure that's true. The main risk you worry about with UVC is damage to eyes. No one should be looking directly at a, a source of UVC light. However, because of the nature of the light, um, glass and the glass in an ICU or in a window will, will block the UVC so you're safe on the other side of the glass. Okay. I, that's great to know. And, and Dr. Stivic, at this time, would you like to add any closing statements? Well, just to add, you know, with this and, and with any kind of um, intervention that if, if a person, if an uh, infection preventionist in a hospital or anyone's interested, I would just encourage everyone to, you know, look at the the medical literature to, to set a high standard. This is, you know, this is a patient safety issue. These are where we're putting in place equipment and supplies and, and robots in this case to, to really increase patient safety, but it's important we do that based on evidence. And so I would encourage hospitals, I would encourage patients to go and, and learn the facts, go to the actual studies in the medical journals and see how different equipment, different treatments, different diagnostics, how those impact CDF and, and try to educate as much as possible, and, and make decisions based on, on the, that, that evidence that can be found. Wonderful. And Dr. Stivic, we thank you so much for joining us today on C. diff spores and more and for sharing your time and information and background on UV disinfecting. And we look forward to hearing back from you really soon with updates. Absolutely. My pleasure. Thank you very much.
Thank you so much. Now, it's our pleasure to introduce our second guest. Xenix is Sarah Simmons, who is the Science Director at Xenix. Thank you so much for having me, Nancy. Uh, welcome, Sarah, and thanks very much for being with us today. Um, Sarah, we know that you're an epidemiologist and uh, you're the Scientific Director at Xenix, and wanted to know, can you tell us about C. diff spores found in healthcare environments? Absolutely. So C. difficile is a bacteria that we find in the gut. Some of us carry it naturally. Some of us pick it up from the environment around us. Uh, C. diff causes a diarrheal illness in a patient. When you have this diarrheal illness, you're shedding a lot of bacteria from your body into the environment around you, especially in a hospital. So surfaces like bed rails, overbed tables, the call button, and surfaces in the bathroom become heavily contaminated with this bacteria. What's special about C. diff is it can form this spore around itself. Essentially, it can condense itself down and put up a shield. That shield allows the spore to be resistant to the disinfectants we use in the environment. It allows it to be resistant to normal decay processes in the environment and UV light. The reason we use C. diff as sort of the gold standard in UV light is it's so challenging to kill. And this spore can live up to, you know, six months on surfaces. So if you have a patient in a C. diff room and then they are discharged, if those spores aren't removed, For six more consecutive months, patients in that room are at risk for developing disease. And there was a really interesting study done looking at how bacteria move around the hospital environment. They used a special marker to mimic the way bacteria move, and they inoculated this marker onto one surface in a nursing station. They were sampling the unit and units around it for the rest of the day, every couple of hours, and found that within two hours, this surrogate bacteria had spread to almost every surface in the unit. It was on the hands of healthcare workers. It was being found on equipment, and by six hours, it had also spread to adjacent units. So we know that this contamination poses a very substantial risk to patients within the hospitals. Okay. And Sarah, where is it mostly located in a hospital setting? So we typically find, with with diarrheal illnesses, the places we find the highest contamination is going to be the bathroom. We also see high levels of contamination on frequently touched surfaces like doorknobs, light switches, bed rails, call buttons. Um, Equipment that is not cleaned very frequently can become contaminated. A great example is the computers at the bedside that the nurses use. These items are going room to room to room with the nurses. It's their portable workstation. If they're not cleaned appropriately when exiting an isolation room, they can become a high contamination source going into the next patient's room. Right, and that's how come it's so easily transferred. Exactly, exactly. Okay, so Sarah, where is it mostly... um located in the hospital besides uh, the patient's room? Beside the patient's room, you're going to find it on um, environmental surfaces such as the computers at the bedside that we just mentioned. Um, It'll be frequently found on portable equipment like blood pressure machines. It can be found on charts. It's really ubiquitous, essentially, 
in the hospital environment. And again, because of living for so long, this six-month period, we're going to have essentially um, constant contamination of surfaces within the environment. Okay, that's true. And Sarah, we understand that the C. dysphores, as you just said, they're capable of living outside of the body for long periods of time and on surfaces. So how does the UV disinfecting destroy the C. dysphores? That's a great question. You know, Mark mentioned some of the differences um, between our device and the uh, continuous UV devices on the market. What, what both of these devices are doing is damaging the DNA of bacteria. DNA contains the instructions for life for all pathogens. And what our device does is essentially um, damage the DNA. We put typos in those instructions. So the bacteria can't replicate anymore. They're not going to be able to get into your body, make more of themselves, and cause an infection. So that's how all ultraviolet works is, is this DNA damage that prevents replication of the organisms. And there are a, okay. a couple of ways we've been able to validate these devices. There are, again, Mark covered some of this. There are three main ways we know that our device is you know, doing what we say it's doing. The first step is lab validation. So we go into a third-party lab and make sure, you know, in this controlled environment, can I actually get rid of, of C. diff spores, you know, in a, on a controlled slide on a Petri dish? And Mark also covered um, environmental sampling. So in the real world, in the real environment, can I reduce the recovery of these bacteria that I know are going to cause harm to my patients? And the final one is actual reductions in infection rates. So Mark again mentioned we had a 53% reduction in C. diff at one of our hospitals. We have another hospital reporting a 20% reduction. The difference in these two is that the 53% reduction hospital use the device more. So we see a direct relationship between how much you use UV and how much reduction you're going to get. This is one of the, the core examples in epidemiology that we call dose response. The higher your dose of UV, the better your response. That's a direct indication of effectiveness of a, an intervention. Okay, Sarah, and thank you so much for explaining the difference and how we turn how you're confirming uh, the UV disinfecting is working. Uh, upon this uh, part here, Sarah, we're going to pause now, take a, uh, a short commercial break. When we return, we will continue discussing UV room disinfection, scientific evidence, and eliminating healthcare-associated infections. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Biohacking for Health is working with your individual biology to gain access to and control over the systems within your body. It allows you to explore your biology and improve health and wellness. Each of us has unique genetic profiles and physiology that require individualized approaches. On Biohacking for Optimal Health, Dr. Daniel Stickler and his expert guests provide a roadmap to navigate the world of biohacking human potential. Tune in every Thursday at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Health & Wellness. 
To help support the C. diff foundation, please visit our website, cdifffoundation.org forward slash donate, or call toll-free 1-844-4-C-DIFF. That's 1-844-367-2343. Join us in our fight against C. diff and help us continue our mission of educating and advocating for C. diff infection prevention, treatments, and environmental safety worldwide. Through your continued support, we can continue raising C. diff awareness and help save lives. Donate today. Visit cdifffoundation.org. Thank you. Join us November 9, 2015 for the Raising C. diff and Healthcare-Associated Infection Awareness Conference. This event will be chaired by Dr. Mark Wilcox, Professor of Medical Microbiology at the University of Leeds, UK, and hosted at the Doubletree Suites by Hilton Hotel in Boston, Cambridge. For more information about the event, call us toll-free at 1-844-4C-DIFF or register starting on April 1st through the website cdifffoundation.org forward slash upcoming events. Call 1-844-4C-DIFF, 1-844-367-2343. We look forward to meeting you on November 9th. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You are listening to C. diff, spores, and more. If you have a question, please send an email to info at cdifffoundation.org. Now back to our program. Here again are Nancy Karala and Dr. Chandra Bali Ghosh. Welcome back to C. diff, spores, and more. I'm your host, Nancy Karala, and thank you for joining us today. Before break, we were discussing C. diff spores and UV room disinfection with Sarah Simmons, Science Director at Xenix. Welcome back, Sarah, and thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you for having me, Nancy. And, Sarah, um, we were discussing the UV spores and the UV room disinfection. And would you be able to share with us some... We know that you meet with hospital professionals frequently to review their infection prevention procedures. What is being overlooked or what is being missed in hospitals when it comes to C. difficile? That's a great question, Nancy. Um, for the five years before I came to Xenex, I was actually employed at a five-hospital system in San Antonio, Texas, as an infection preventionist. My specialty was critical care, so I've been in the sort of infection prevention world for a while. And one of the things I, I've observed in every facility I've been to is as healthcare workers, we almost become blind to the bacterial world that exists around us. We're so focused on the the patient and them as a visible thing that we forget the invisible that's all around us. You know, when we look at a, a bed rail, we might see, you know, some orange juice from breakfast, we might see some blood, but we don't think about the bacteria that we can't see. So in this um, in this hospital world, we ignore the invisible. So bringing that um, awareness to what you see, what you can't see, can hurt you. To um, to healthcare professionals is really one of the key things that I like to do in my education sessions. One of the things I really focus on is that when we're coming into a patient's room, we think of the patient as the person who is contaminated essentially in an isolation room. So if I'm going to come into the room and I'm going to shake my patient's hand and say, you know, hi, I'm Sarah, I'm your infection preventionist for today, I will think about washing my hands because I touch the patient. 
if I come into the room and I just touch the bed rail or I'm going to get my patient a cup of water or move their overbed table closer to them, we don't perceive that as risk, even though it is. So making sure that our house, not our housekeepers, our nurses, our doctors are aware that the entire room, the entire environment poses a transmission risk, not just the patient themselves, has been a major educational hurdle. There's also a, a general lack of hand hygiene in hospitals. And again, I've observed this over and over again. It is very difficult to be compliant with the hand hygiene guidelines, the way they're written. And sometimes there are structural issues in the hospitals that make it almost impossible to do hand hygiene the right way, especially for C. diff patients. We know that the alcohol-based hand rubs that we use in hospitals aren't effective on C. diff spores. The appropriate method for hand hygiene is soap and water. Um, one of the facilities I worked in was an older facility, and we didn't have a sink at the exit to the patient room. If I'm caring for a C. diff patient, I would have to take all of my gear off, go into the patient bathroom, which as we covered earlier is heavily contaminated with C. diff, and then exit the room. That doesn't make sense from an infection control perspective. So there are structural issues in the hospitals that need to be addressed so that we have better compliance with these sort of things. I, I completely relate to that, Sarah. And yes, uh, the new medical facilities being built, I think, have more focus on a function uh, and also on infection control. So that I think that is a positive step. Absolutely. Another great thing that we're seeing in these newer facilities is private patient rooms. Again, in the facility I was in, a much older facility, most of our rooms were semi-privates, which means we have two patients sharing a bathroom. Patients can develop an infection, and it can take us a couple of days to realize what it is or get a diagnosis for what it is. And if they're sharing a room with another patient during that time, the other patient is exposed to this infection. They're put at risk by this environmental transmission and contact with an infected patient. It also limits our ability to appropriately isolate patients. If I don't have a private room available for that patient, they're going to remain isolated in a semi-private room with another person who's potentially at risk. Exactly. And so, Sarah, what steps can healthcare facilities, uh, especially the older ones, take to prevent the transmission of healthcare-associated infections? That's a great question. So uh, with the older facilities, one of the things that we um, really advocated with our bed placement team was the designation of semi-private rooms as private rooms in the event of isolation. Um, we would set aside a set number of rooms on each unit, let's say three, that we could convert from semi-private to private if we needed to isolate patients. Cohorting of patients is also a, uh, a, a great step you can take. So if you have two MRSA patients, they can potentially share that semi-private room together. Um, another great thing you can do is just you know, basic education for your nurses. Um, a lot of the things that infection preventionists are teaching people have to be said again and again and again because it's not a fun and exciting message of wash your hands. It does sort of need to be a repetitive message, but getting that, that staff engagement, if it's, if it's possible, developing an advocate on your unit for your infection control programs is a, a great way to go. And there are best practice bundles available for most of the infections that we're really worried about in hospitals. Making sure you have um, 
an advocate on your unit and that there's accountability for compliance with those bundles with the nursing staff is a great path. Exactly. And Sarah, can you share with our listeners today what they can do when they're a patient to prevent a C disinfection while they're hospitalized? Absolutely. There are three big things I think about from the patient's perspective in keeping yourself safe. We've talked a lot today about the risk of environmental transmission of C. diff. The person, the one person in the hospital who's keeping you safe from that environmental transmission is the housekeeper. They are your best friend when they come into your room every day. Make sure you're giving them the time they need, that you are, you know, engaging with them. They are the person keeping you safe. Give them the space to clean your bed rails, your overbed table. Don't deny them anything in that space. You also have the right as a patient to advocate for your own cleaning. If you would like the nurse to bring you some sandy wipes for your bed, you have the ability to ask for that. Another great recommendation is to make sure your healthcare workers wash their hands before they have contact with you or your environment. It does not matter if the nurse or the doctor isn't going to touch you. They're going to touch your bed rail, and then you're going to touch your bed rail. They're going to touch your overbed table, and then you are going to touch your overbed table. Again, you are the best advocate for your own health. You are perfectly within your rights to ask your healthcare provider to wash their hands, especially with soap and water if it's a C. diff room. Uh, And finally, a lot of patients who already have, we mentioned very early in the conversation, some of us naturally carry C. difficile in our bodies, and it doesn't make us sick until we take an antibiotic. If the doctors are going to be giving you an antibiotic, make sure you know exactly why you're getting the antibiotic and that it's for the right duration, and they're giving it to you the right way. So we don't want to overdose our bodies with antibiotics that kill off the good bacteria and let C. diff take over. So it's okay to ask a lot of questions if the doctors are going to give you an antibiotic. Exactly. And thanks for sharing that too, Sarah. Very important, especially with the antibiotic resistance we're all discussing. Exactly. Sarah, how, in regard, going back to UV disinfecting, how has the use of UV disinfecting changed the cleaning process in hospitals, and how has it added to patient safety? That's a great question. So when we're coming in to talk to hospitals about using our technology, one of the questions we get is, oh, so we don't have to clean the room anymore. And that's absolutely not the case. UV technology doesn't replace the manual removal of soil. You know, our robot doesn't get the orange juice on the bed rail. We don't get, you know, the blood on the floor. That still needs to be done. What we're doing is adding an extra layer of protection For the patient, the research shows us that even when we're cleaning the rooms the best we can, we're still missing about half of those surfaces. And that's not because the housekeepers aren't doing a good job. It's because what we're asking them to do isn't humanly possible. So I wouldn't say that UV disinfection has changed the way the housekeepers clean. It has changed the efficacy of the housekeeping programs by giving them a new tool to do the job that they want to do. And for patient safety, you know, we've demonstrated time and time again that use of pulse xenon UV is reducing infection rates. You know, Mark mentioned that we have about 10 studies out showing that we're reducing contamination in the environment and that hospitals that implement this technology are seeing reductions in infection rates. And that's really the end goal. I'm doing my job when patients are safer. 
That's right. And that and Sarah, what are some of the steps from being discharged from the hospital room, okay, until a room is ready to receive a new patient using the UV disinfection? So the typical process that we would go through is the first patient is discharged from the room. The housekeeper is going to come in, they're going to clean the bathroom, and we're going to run the device in that bathroom for a five-minute cycle. That's our C. diff kill claim is that five-minute cycle. And then while the device is running in the bathroom, the housekeeper is going to clean the rest of the room just like they normally would. Once they're done, they're going to place the device on one side of the bed, and they're going to run a five-minute cycle. Once that cycle is done, they're going to come into the room and they're going to flip over items that were laying flat. Great examples would be the television remote, um, the nurse's call button, the phone in the room. The reason we want to flip those over is if it can't be seen, it can't be cleaned, and when they're laying flat on the surface, the UV light can't get underneath there. So we flip all of those things over and then we move the robot to the other side of the bed. The reason we go to the other side of the bed is UV disinfects in straight lines. We don't want things being hidden in shadows. So to get around shadows that exist with all UV systems, we run a second cycle on the other side of the bed, again, for five minutes. After that's been done, the room is disinfected and the next patient can come in. Okay. Well, Sarah, would you like to add any closing comments before we close today's episode? You know, I think I'd like to um, just reinforce that as an infection preventionist, I know that I did everything I could for my patients. I was responsible for 120 beds across five hospitals, and I wanted the best evidence-based support and protection for my patients. And as Mark reiterated earlier, when you're looking at emerging technologies, especially UV disinfection, which is a fairly new field, make sure you're looking at the clinical evidence. Make sure you're evaluating who has the proven science to do what they say they're doing. Okay, that's great advice. And Sarah, we thank you so much for joining us today on CDF Scores and More and for sharing this important information and background on UV disinfecting, the scientific evidence in eliminating healthcare-associated infections. And we look forward to speaking with you again soon. And thank you for all the infection prevention uh, information you also shared. We know that our, our listeners are grateful for that too. Thank you so much for having me, Nancy. Thank you. And we ask everyone to tune in next week with our guest from Seal Shield Clorox and another professional infection preventist discussing C. disinfections, high-touch surfaces, and antimicrobials. As we close, we dedicate this and every episode to fellow C. diff survivors worldwide and to every patient and their families combating C. diff infections. Never lose hope and remember, none of us can do this alone. All of us can do this together. We thank you very much uh, for joining us today and we wish you well. Thank you very much. Thank you for tuning in this week for C. diff, spores, and more. Be sure to join your hosts, Nancy and Dr. Ghosh, again next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time. That's 2 p.m. Eastern Time for another edition of our program on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. None of us can do this alone. All of us can do this together. 